To have your Bibles, would you open them please this morning to James once again, the book of James. This morning is our third message in a sermon series called Trials. James chapter 1. We looked at James chapter 1 last week, but I want us to look at it again at verse 2. The title of our message is Moving On, Moving On, and the Problems and Pains. James writing to the Christians of his day, James writing to you and I this morning. Not his opinions, but the Word of God is given to him by the Spirit of God. He says, My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various or diverse temptations. My brothers and sisters of the faith, those of you who love Jesus with all of your mind, heart, soul, and strength, count it all joy. Consider it a blessing. Rejoice in the fact that you are under the thumb of problems and pains. Because you know that God is at work. He's going to use what you're going through to bring you glory, to bring Himself glory, to do good to others, and to grow you. You ever thought about it that way? That's what he's saying. I often receive notes after I preach sermons. And this past week, I received a note. I don't know who sent it. It was anonymous. But the note asked a question. Pastor, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? That's a pretty good question. Pastor, I've been through the shock and the awe of what I'm going through. Pastor, the grace of God has caught up with me. I understand that God has a plan and purpose in what I'm going through. I understand that God wants to use me to bring glory to Him. I understand that God wants to use me to do earthly and eternal good to other people. I understand that God wants to grow me to be more like Jesus and to be closer to Jesus. I understand that. I understand that He wants me to be wise in what I'm going through and joyful in what I'm going through. Pastor, I understand all of that. I I get it. But pastor, how do I move on? I picked myself up off the ground. There's no more pity party. I brushed myself off. But where do I go from here? How do I get there from here? How do I put together my Humpty Dumpty that has fallen off the wall? How do I put together the pieces that all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot do? Where do I go from here, Pastor? How do I get there? 
as we look at message number three in our series on trials, I want us to spend some time this morning thinking about how to move on. The trial, the trouble, the tears are here. The pain, the problems, the pressures are here. They knocked you down. You're shocked. You're dazed. You're in awe. But finally, the grace of God is caught up with you. You're starting to be renewed. You're starting to be revived. You're back up on your feet, so to speak. But now you're ready to move forward. And the question is, how do you move forward? So I want to share with you some things, ten things that I believe are needful and necessary for moving on after the trials and troubles hit you. Now some of you might be thinking to yourself, I'm going to go ahead and take a nap now. I don't have any trials or troubles. I don't have any problems or pains. Life for me is a bowl of jello. Life for me is ice cream with cherries on top. I'm glad it is. But you better stay awake. Because you know something? Things can change quickly. Amen? Amen. You see, you could be heading into a time of trouble and you just don't know it. You're high, wide, and handsome, patting yourself on the back, thinking you got it made. And all of a sudden, boom, it's going to hit. You could go home and find that your home's not there no more. It burnt to the ground while you're sitting here. Or those valuable things that you got in your home have been stolen from you by vandalism and thievery that took place while you were here. You could go home and have a call on your answering machine from your doctor who says, I need to see you in my office immediately tomorrow. Your tests are not quite what they need to be. You could go to work tomorrow. And there on your time card is a little note, go to Human Resources. And they give you a pink slip in your severance pay. You could get a call this afternoon that somebody you know and love is dead. I'm not being facetious and I'm not exaggerating. That's life. And so I think all of us need to listen. Because if you're not in trouble now trying to move on, one day you will be. And you might appreciate the fact that you have something to draw back from. Ten things to help those of us that are in trouble right now, facing trials right now, have tears on our pillow right now, that will help us to move on. First of all, we must study the Scriptures. Whenever you're going through problems and pains, what comes to the surface is feelings. The heart rises above the head. You run on emotion. But there comes a time when the head must get back in its rightful position, which is over the heart. When when fact must override feeling. 
So whenever you find yourself in trials and troubles, problems and pains, you need to go to the Word of God. You need to study the Scriptures. You see, the Bible is a living book. It's not just a book written by old men thousands of years ago. It is a book written by new men right here, right now. The Bible is always fresh, it's always relevant, it's always contemporary. It speaks to you and I right now as it spoke to people hundreds, thousands of years ago. People come and go, but the Bible never comes and goes. It's always here. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Bible shall always be. It's a living book. Do you understand the Bible you hold in your hand? It's, it's breathing. Because it was God breathed into. And that Bible contains God's Word to us all. But more specifically, God's Word to you. And to me. When you read the Bible, understand that Bible has your name on it. God is speaking to you personally. He knows your name. He knows your need. He's speaking to you through the Scriptures. So the Bible's a living book. It's a book that speaks to us all, but it speaks to us as individuals. And the Bible has an uncanny ability to speak to where we're at any given point in our lives. It's amazing how the Word of God, as we read it, reads us and knows where we're at and has something to give us for that moment. Maybe you're here today and you feel like in your trial and tribulation that you're going through that God has forgotten you and God has forsaken you. That's your feeling and feelings are okay. That's what happens when we go through bad things. But once the feelings subside, the facts then take hold. And the fact of the matter is, if you read your Bible, you would know in Hebrews 13, verse 5, that the Lord says, Never will I leave you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will be with you always. Even to the very end. So if you're going to get up, you're going to dust yourself off and you're going to move on from your trial and trouble. First of all, you've got to get back into the Scriptures. Study the Scriptures. Secondly, you've got to declare your doubts. One of the things that often happens when you go through a trial or a trouble is that you begin to doubt the things in the darkness that you once believed in the light. Doubt can sit in. And some of us, were so prideful, we're never going to say we have doubts because then somebody might think we're not as spiritual as we want them to think. Do you know that your pastor has doubts at times? My staff has doubts at times. Our deacons have doubts at times. You have doubts at times. We need to be able to declare our doubts to God. He's big enough to handle our doubts. You say, I don't want to tell Him. <laughs> you don't have to tell Him. He already knows. He can read your mind. He can discern your heart. 
Doubts are not sinful necessarily. They're not a sign of weakness. They're not a sign of carnality. They're not a sign of disrespect. Do you know some of the greatest men of God found in the pages of the Word of God had doubts? They went through seasons where they questioned God. They questioned themselves. They questioned life. They questioned faith. John the Baptist, whom Jesus said was the greatest prophet who's ever lived. Wow! What a statement to make. He said, my cousin John, who preceded me, he is the greatest prophet ever born of woman. And yet there came a time in John the Baptist's life when he was in prison. You know that story. And the great prophet John, discouraged by trials, despondent because of troubles, asked one of his disciples to go to Jesus. And he said, go ask Jesus, is he the Messiah? Have I made a mistake? Have I made a mistake? Is Jesus the Messiah? Or should I look for another? John the Baptist had a time of doubts. Job had a time of doubt. Even David called a man after God's own heart. What a testimony that God gave of David. Do you know David questioned God? In Psalm 10, verse 1, David said, Lord, why do you stand so far off from me? Why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble? Lord, where in the world are you at? Then in Psalm 13, 1, David says, How long will you forget me? Lord, I'm here. Do you even know I'm here? Do you even know my name anymore? Lord, how long will you forget me? Will it be forever? How long will you hide your face from me, Lord? You see, great men and women of God are great because they have an honest relationship with God. What is... We don't have a religion, ladies and gentlemen. We have a relationship. What kind of relationship would life be down here if you couldn't think and feel and express that to somebody without them getting rid of you. God allows us to have our doubts. He really does. And if we'll be honest with Him, He will bring the truth into those doubts and bring healing. Thirdly, if we're going to move on, we need to study the Scriptures. We need to get back in the Word. Fact has to replace feeling. We need to declare our doubts. We need to be honest with God. God, I I just don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know where you're at right now, Lord. Thirdly, we must continue on in our worship. We can't give up worship. We cannot allow a trial to stop us. We can't allow tears to turn us away. We can't allow troubles to detour us or deny us. We can't allow a tribulation to cause us to throw in the towel and quit. We have to have the mentality of Paul, who, by the way, had his share of troubles too. Paul said at the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. I didn't give up in the troubles. I fought through them. I finished my course. I worked through the troubles. I fought through them. I worked through them. I have now finished and I've kept the faith. 
Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't give up when life gets tough. A faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. Many times, God will allow trials and troubles and pains and problems into our life because He wants us to see that we're the real deal. And maybe He wants us to see we're not the real deal. It's a testing of faith. An unknown hymn writer wrote a song, set it to secular music. We sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Forward. David Livingston was asked, Would he go anywhere to preach the gospel? And he said, I'll go anywhere to preach the gospel as long as it's forward. We can't go backwards. We can't go away. When trouble comes, we pick ourselves up, we brush the dust off us, and we follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Fourthly, if we seek to move on in all the pain and problems and and make something of ourselves despite what we're going through, we must begin to develop a proper understanding concerning biblical suffering. We need to really come to grips with the truth about what God's Word says about suffering. Because we have a lot of people today in the media and some outside the media who distort the Word of God when it comes to pain and suffering. Pay attention to your pastor. You can go back to sleep if you want to later. You better know your Bible. Because we live in a day where false teachers and false preachers are not just out there, they have invaded the church. And they stand before people on the radio, on television, and in churches just like this, and they espouse things that are absolutely foolish at best and wicked at worst. And people don't have enough sense to figure it out. We got preachers today who tell you, if you've got enough faith, you'll never be poor. God wants you to be rich, and if if you aren't rich, it's because you don't have enough faith to be rich. If you'll just have faith and send them a seed offering, you'll go from poor to rich. And they say that 55 minutes of a 60-minute ministry program. Hand out, wanting your money. Then there's others who say, just speak positively. And you'll never be sick. Tell that cancer to go away. Tell that heart disease to go away. Tell that spinal meningitis to go away. Just tell it to go away. You speak positively, not negatively, and it'll go away. You got others that say, you have authority in you. Oh, you got authority. Just demand that authority. Use that authority. 
And every pain and every problem will go away. I could go on and on and on with that theological baloney that's being filled in the minds and hearts of people. And some of you maybe believe that. You need to get under sound teaching and you need to get in the Word of God yourself. Because there's no basis in the Word of God for any of that. It's just pop theology. For Christians who want a Christianity light and can't take the truth. The truth is, Jesus said, in this world, you, 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 me, we're going to have what? Tribulation. Troubles. Trials. Problems. Pains. We're going to have it. You say, but I'm a Christian. I don't care if you're a Christian. I love you. I don't care if you love Jesus. You're going to have it. There's no escapees. There's no exclusions. There's no exemptions. There's no exceptions. If you're born of a woman, how many of you are born of a woman? <laughs> if you're born of a woman, you are born into trouble. As the sparks fly upward, a man is born into trouble. We're going to have trouble. Sometimes it'll be our fault. Sometimes it'll be none of our fault. Sometimes it'll be both. You're going to have trouble. Jesus had trouble. The Son of the living God had trouble. Do you think that the master's going to be treated one way and the servant's going to get away? We're not greater than him. If he suffered, we're going to suffer if we identify with him. Job suffered. The Bible said he was a righteous man. The prophets suffered. Jeremiah was called a weeping prophet because of the hardship he went through. The apostles, 11 of them, died horrible deaths, and the other one was a fugitive, an exile, on the Isle of Patmos. We got missionaries all over the world through the ages that have given their life for Jesus, often killed by the people they went to save. We've got third world Christians right now, even as we're worshiping right here, they're dying in the Middle East. Life is full of problems. And you can't just speak them away. You just can't hocus-pocus them away. You can't faith them away. God brings them that God might do something in our lives. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that it's going to happen. It doesn't matter who you are and what you do. It's going to happen. And fifthly, we must stay in church. Because when trials and troubles come, some people will walk away from God and other people will walk away from the church. All you got to do is look around here and see people that once were faithful and something happened in their life and they disappeared. They're not interested in God anymore. They're not interested in the church anymore. They want nothing to do with either. And when you come to that decision... In many ways, you're signing your spiritual death warrant. It's interesting in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter's talking about the devil. And in describing the devil, he describes the devil as a certain animal. 
He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Peter, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, doesn't say the devil's a tiger. He doesn't say he's a crocodile. He doesn't say he's a pit bull. He doesn't say he's a great white shark. He says he's a lion. You know why? Because lions are smart. They're not only the king of the beast, but they're the smart king of the beast. When lions hunt, they hunt in packs or, or prides. The male lion sends the female lions out for the kill. What they do is they approach a herd. And as they approach, they let the herd see them. What they're trying to do is get the herd to panic. Because herds normally are tightly compacted. The reason they're tightly compacted is, is so that the sickly animals and the elderly animals and the young animals and the ones who aren't too smart animals can be protected by the others who are around them. But when the lions approach, the very animals that I just described to you, they get panicky. And sometimes in that panickiness, they leave the herd. They wander off a little bit. They get away from the protection of the group. And the lions pick them off and eat them for dinner. You know Satan does that? When we're here together right now, he can't really do much to any of us. Because if he attacks you, we're going to rally around you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to help you. So what he does is tries to get you out from the herd, the family of God. And then He will find you and destroy you by yourself. The church is very important. In fact, Paul said in Hebrews 10.25, Don't you forsake the coming to church, as His Son does. You keep coming, particularly as you see the coming of Jesus come. Get yourself in church. Because you're going to need me, and I'm going to need you, and you're going to need them, and they're going to need you. We need one another. Somebody made the remark in their 830 service that Kathy can't pray for herself right now. Norman's wife. She's lost her mother. She's in grief. And you know, that might be true. But you know, Kathy, until she can pray for herself, guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray for her. We're going to put an umbrella of grace and mercy over her life like we do everybody here. But if you're not here, you don't have that. You're just a sick animal wandering out, and the lions are closing in for the kill. Stay in church. Sixthly, if we're going to move on, we need to try to find the ability to serve other people. You see, when you're going through a trial and tribulation, your eyes are usually focused where? On me. But if you're going to move on and get out of this, you've got to start taking your focus from me to others. You've got to understand that what you're going through, maybe you're going through it so you can be a minister to somebody else who's going to go through it one day. 
I can minister to people with cancer, but people who have had cancer do a far better job than I do. I can minister to people who've lost a loved one, but those of you who have lost perhaps your mother can minister to them far better than I can because I've never lost a mother. You see, whatever you're going through right now, as uncomfortable and unpleasant and nasty as it may be, and painful as it may be, and scary as it may be, maybe God has allowed it that you can take what you went through and be able to reach out to somebody else. There's a difference in sympathy and empathy. Sympathy says, I understand because I've read about it. Empathy says, I understand because I've been there. Who would you rather have minister to you? Somebody who says, I read about it in a book, or somebody who says, I've already walked that road, and I want you to know I know exactly how you feel. Don't you let a trial and trouble go away and not use it to help somebody else. In doing so, you not only will heal, but you'll heal them. Seventhly, we need to move on by remembering that God is faithful. God is always faithful. If you're here today, raise your hand. <laughs> Am I here? Yeah, you're here. Oh, okay. Alright, if you're here today, how many of you that are here today have ever had a trouble in your life or a trial in your life? Raise your hand. It's amazing. It's just about everyone. Well, if you're here today and you had a trouble yesterday, but you're here today, that means that God was faithful to you. Does that not mean that? He got you from yesterday to today. Would you agree? Would you not agree? I'm not trying to trick you. I'm just telling you. If you were here yesterday with the trouble, you're here today. How'd you get here? Well, God was faithful. Well, the God who was faithful to you yesterday that got you here today will be the same God that will be faithful to you tomorrow and get you from today to there. He doesn't change. That's why the Bible constantly is reminding us of that. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 23. Jeremiah, who had a lot of issues going on in his life, says, Remembering, I remembered my afflictions and my misery and the wormwood and the gall that I went through. My soul still remembers those things and they humbled me. But then I had a recall in my mind and I realized that I'm not without hope. It is the Lord's mercies that allowed me not to be consumed. His compassions never failed me. They're new every morning, and great is His faithfulness. That's why the Bible always says, remember, 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 because we forget. Five minutes after you leave this service, 90% of what I said will be gone. And all you'll remember is a joke I told. That's why the Bible says, remember. Remember God of yesterday. He's the God of today. And remember that the God of tomorrow will be there for you as well. God never changes. His compassions, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness is always there. It'll get you through. 
You've got to remember it, though, because we forget. We push the panic button, and we forget that last week we pushed it, three weeks ago we pushed it, and six years ago we pushed it, and we're still here. And you'll be here tomorrow, too. Number eight, as we're trying to move on, where do we go from here? How do we get there, Pastor? And all these pains and problems, how do we get there? Where do we go? We need to understand, number eight, that some things we just can't change. And maybe God isn't going to change them. Maybe He's going to change us. See, we pray to change the circumstances, don't we? Maybe God says, listen, I'm not changing the circumstances, I'm going to change you. Sometimes we have to accept the new normal, which we don't want to accept. Sometimes we're going to have to accept this loved one's not here no more. It doesn't matter how much I accuse. It doesn't matter how much I blame. It doesn't matter how much I cry. It doesn't matter how much mad I get. My loved one's not here no more, and they're not coming back. And the cancer that I've got, the doctors cannot heal it. It will be with me to the day that I die. The investments that I lost are gone. They cannot be recouped. They cannot be regained. They cannot be restored. They're gone, and they're gone forever. The mistakes that I've made and the consequences that I'm having to live with because of those mistakes will always be in this life. It's just the way it is. I can't change none of it. And I can keep praying to God to change those things and become frustrated, or I can just say, Lord, if you're not going to change them, change me. Help me to live without that loved one. Help me to live with this cancer. Help me to live on less income. Help me to live despite the fact I've got limitations and restrictions placed on me because of my past. Help me to accept it. It's the new norm for me. It's not the old norm, it's the new norm. And Lord, help me to be changed of mind and heart that I can accept it. Help me, Lord, not to focus on what I've lost, but help me to focus on what I have left. You see? God doesn't always change. Sometimes He changes this. Ninthly, as we move toward closing, if we're going to move on from the pain and problems, we must let go bitterness. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, get rid of the root of bitterness. Bitterness is like acid. It eats the container that holds it. Bitterness to a body is like sand is to an engine. It will bring it to a grinding stop. Sometimes we just got to accept and forgive and move on. It is what it is. And though people said things and done things that were hurtful to me, I forgive them and I move on. Sometimes we just need to quit accusing, quit blaming, quit pointing fingers, 
quit wallowing in the pity and just move on. You will never move forward if all you do is look out the rearview mirror of the car of your life. And some of us live in the past, and that's why we never heal in the present. We're still angry. We're still mad at God. We're still angry and mad at others. We're still angry and mad at life because we weren't treated right or fairly. Can I be honest with you as your pastor, and I love you? Get over it. Just get over it. Because I can promise you, whoever hurt you, you've hurt others yourself. Whoever's done you wrong, you've done some people wrong too. So don't walk around as if you're holier than thou. If you ask God to forgive you, you'll be willing to forgive others. And then lastly, as we close, we're talking about things that we can do, things that we can implement in our life that are practical to help us to get up, wipe ourselves off, and move forward in the process of becoming what the Lord wants us to be, even in the midst of the pain and the problems and the trials and the tribulations. And the last one, and maybe this is the most important one, Give your life to Jesus. It's a sad thing, ladies and gentlemen, to go through this life with pain and problems. But it is a much more sadder thing to go into the life to come and face pain and problems that are 10,000 worse than what you've got now. You think you got problems on earth. You ain't seen nothing till you see the problems you're going to have in hell. We need Jesus in this life, and we need Him in the life to come. What a friend we have in Jesus for now, and what a friend we will have in Jesus later. As you're going through whatever you're going through, have you ever stopped to think that maybe, just maybe, this is God's way of trying to reach you for Him? There's many people who come to Jesus when the bottom falls out of their life. You see, you don't need God when you got everything going your way. But when everything in your life collapses, maybe just God is showing you grace and you don't even know it. Maybe that's the silver lining in the dark cloud. God is trying to change you. He's trying to reach you that He can save you. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe He's rattling your cage that you would come to Him. And all the trials and troubles are worth it if it saves your eternal soul. May we pray? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.